0: And the history matters um, immensely in that Kaiser Permanente is different than many places. Folks don't dedicate a year or two of their professional life. Um, They come here for uh, careers and it probably starts as a job and then becomes part of who they are, genuinely.
1: It was first a job, then it transformed itself into a career, and then a career transformed itself into a mission. So when you think about
2: what the Federation did, it gave and does today, it really gives a single voice to optimize care.
0: Welcome, I'm Chris Grant, your host and Chief Operating Officer of the Permanente Federation. I'm excited to share this last episode of the Permanente Medicines podcast 2022 season. For this final episode, we're opening our archives and taking a closer look at the origins of the Permanente Medical Groups and how they fit into Kaiser Permanente's history. Our guests today each have unique insights into this topic, and I'm so excited for them to share their knowledge with us joining me is my dear friend and colleague dr jay Crossen, the founding executive director of the permanente federation who led the organization for its first 10 years dr Crosson spent a total of 35 years as a physician and executive at kaiser permanente and played a crucial role laying the foundation for the federation's success today dr paul bernstein is the physician historian for the federation as well as a head and neck surgeon with the southern california permanente medical group he also served as scpmg's medical director for kp san diego and on scpmg's board of directors it's a pleasure to have you both on the podcast jay and paul i'm looking forward to our journey
1: through history today Chris, thank you very much for inviting me, for inviting both of us, and I'm really looking forward to reminiscing a little bit about the Federation and um, noting also its continued importance today.
2: And thanks, Chris. It's really a pleasure to be here, and we look forward to the uh, podcast and conversation. Terrific. I've been
0: so looking forward to this. Let's start with a bit of history of Kaiser Permanente. Some folks might not really know where the Permanente name came from. Paul, can you share a little bit about its origin and its use to create what's known today as Kaiser Permanente?
2: Sure, Chris. Would you believe that Henry and Bess Kaiser really liked the sound of, of the Spanish word for permanent, namely permanente? And before World War II in the 1930s, they built this cabin, a really cool cabin on a very scenic stream, the Permanente Creek near Los Altos in the beautiful hills of South San Francisco. And they enjoyed inviting friends to their cabin and family, especially during Prohibition, where they would all get together and have cocktails. So it was a no-brainer for Henry Kaiser when he went into the cement business to name his company Permanente Cement. The first use of Permanente in healthcare was in 1942 when Bess Kaiser, Henry's wife, suggested they use the name the Permanente Foundation as a charitable trust to support The clinics of the world war ii shipyard workforce the permanente foundation became the henry j kaiser's permanente foundation hospital on july 21st 1945 when fabiola hospital in oakland built for the hundred thousand shipyard workers during world war ii was open to the public and drum roll if we had a drum roll right now (laughs) it was three it was three years later in 1948, when seven physicians formed the Permanente Medical Group (TPMG), and what we now know as Kaiser Permanente was officially born.
0: Such a such an incredible uh, history and origin of the name, and here we are 75 years later, and Kaiser Permanente is is the preeminent healthcare system in the nation. So I think the the use of Permanente and permanent makes a ton of sense. Well, let's, let's continue down this journey. So key to the development of the Permanente Medical Groups is the Permanente Federation. And many people may not be aware of the Federation's critical role in supporting all of the Permanente Medical Groups. Jay, can you share a little bit about your past position as the Federation's founding executive director and its place within the overall Kaiser Permanente ecosystem?
1: Chris, I'll do my best to uh, answer this question in less than an hour. <laughs> so Kaiser Permanente, in its early decades, really, was fundamentally a regional-based organization. The regions were, I would say, semi-autonomous. There was always a, what we called at the time a central office, but its scope was very narrow um, until we really got uh, into the 1980s and, and a little beyond that. And the program, the health plan and hospitals part of the program, began to build necessarily functions for the whole organization, Uh, information technology, government relations, uh, legal support services, compliance functions, and things that had not really existed uh, earlier in the program, at least at any scale. The medical groups, on the other hand, until the 1990s, were still Uh, virtually independent of each other. There was a little support service going on to connect them, but nothing substantial. And that was fine until we got into a period of conflict between the health plan and the medical groups in the mid-1990s, and also towards uh, the end of that period of time, 97, 98, a severe financial crisis. The medical directors began to become concerned about the fact that they were all separate That came to a head fall of 1996. The medical directors met, ironically, in Palm Springs, about 20 miles away from Desert Center, where the whole thing had started. And um, I like to say overcame their differences among themselves (laughs) and decided that it was time for us to work together in a formal way to establish a national function that would both partner with and engage the health plan so that the tradition of the organization around joint management, joint responsibility, and partnership would have a new birth. And that then led to the creation of articles and bylaws of the Permanente Federation. And the Federation then came into being in the first half of 1997. It was a natural uh, progression, I think, even if we had not had conflict In the mid-1990s, the need for the medical groups to come together to have a national focus, a national presence, and to reflect at the highest levels of the organization, the values of the permanente physicians was inevitable from my perspective and has, you know, proven to be of immense value.
0: Thank you, Jay. And, And you're so right. It is the values that transcend time and really do bind the permanent day medical groups together and the individual emds you know even through multiple leaders in each permanent day medical group over time it's those values and those core tenets of physician leadership and and integrated care that align and link us so well and so much of the history that you described is quite familiar uh, to me i'm dating myself to our listeners but i had the privilege of coming over as one of the first employees with Dr. Crossan in the founding of the Federation and the importance of navigating uh, those times back in the 96, 97, 98 time period where the organization really did need to course a different direction. Paul, um, you play a key role as our historian, and some of the projects that you're working on are quite fascinating Maybe this is a good time for you to fill in our listeners a bit about the historical work that you're doing and and key areas that you're focusing on to document our our pathway through time, which ultimately um, helps inform our future.
2: I'm really excited about working with our Permanente Historians Council. So building on previous work, we formed the Historian Council last year which includes um, physician or communication consultants from all eight PMGs. Our mission is to perpetuate, communicate, and celebrate our amazing history of the Permanente Medical Groups and the Federation and Permanente Physicians. Um, so one of our, so speaking of our projects, Chris, one of our most exciting projects that my administrator partner from Hawaii, communications consultant, Kirk Fernandez, and our health plan archivist, Kong Lee, and I are working on is with the Smithsonian in Washington, D.C. We are consulting with the National Museum of American History on their upcoming exhibit um, on the history of medicine. And um, we're really excited to continue to work with them before it's opening in 2023. Um, we're also working with the K.P. Bernard Tyson School of Medicine to design and create and get approval for what we're calling a story wall. And that's going to be a unique, high-tech, digital wall that's going to talk about the foundations of Permanente Medicine. And Chris, the last project I'd like to mention, which I hope all of our listeners will be interested, is joining the the Kaiser Permanente Historical Society, um, which will provide access to special programs like the grand opening of the Smithsonian um, exhibit in D.C. in 2023. And we're going to focus on publications, seminars, podcasts. Etc. So, Chris, it's really my honor to be the Permanente historian and work with all of you and our listeners um, at the Federation and our Permanente positions in all regions.
0: Oh, thanks so much, uh, Paul, and and I can promise you I will be one of the founding members of that historical society because I I truly am so proud of of what uh, the Permanente medical groups represent. Something I'm personally proud of when reflecting it of my time within the Federation is how far we've come in truly elevating the voices of Permanente physicians and leaders. And In recent years, we've redefined what Permanente medicine means, what it represents. Can you both talk about what made the formation of the Permanente medical groups and the Federation so unique when it came to providing a platform for supporting physician voices? And Jay, I'm thinking, let's start with you on this one.
1: You know, I talked a little bit about the formation of the Federation um, during the 1990s. One of the things that it offered us was for the first time, really, to have a dialogue among the medical groups, particularly the medical group leaders, about what Permanente was really all about. Each medical group had their own history, their own culture. They had their own traditions and all the rest of that. But we learned, I think, early on in the formation of the Federation, and the dialogue that went on, that there was something that united all the groups that was very special and that had evolved over a series of decades. In my dialogue with uh, Dr. Jed Weisberg in 1999, we identified That there were six major elements to what we then called permanent Medicine. Three were structural and three were performance-based. The structural ones were the notion of group responsibility. Group practice, like the Mayo Clinic and others, developed the notion that physicians collectively were responsible for the welfare, the quality uh, of the care that was delivered to patients. But we adopted that early on and that became a, a, a tenet of how we delivered care. Self-governance was a little bit more unique because early on, the leaders of the permanent Medical Groups decided that while we worked closely with Health Plan, we were going to become independent organizations. And not just independent of Health Plan, but also self-governed and governed in a way that provided the physicians, whether in a partnership or a corporation later, um, with the ability to represent their interests collectively in an elective process. And then from that, the self governance led to the notion of, of self management. In other words, unlike organizations where managers, non physician managers, one sort or the other, directed the physicians, uh, it was in fact the physicians collectively and particularly individually who determined what each patient needed, patient by patient. But the medical groups from the line physicians to the staff believed that if our organization was going to be successful, we had to not only match the outside world in terms of quality, but demonstrate that our medical groups perform better than any other medical delivery system in the country. The second element was patient focus, that the primacy of the physician patient relationship guided not only the decisions that individual physicians made, but the policies of the permanent medical groups going forward. And the last one was resource management, resource responsibility, responsibility for the uh, assets that members and their employers provided to the organization. So those six elements group responsibility, self-governance, self-management, high-quality, patient focus, and resource management were the six elements that comprise Permanente Medicine.
0: It's wonderful, uh, Jay, to hear those six elements and to recognize how they've stayed so central to the DNA of um, the Permanente Medical Groups. As I look back over the years, I just have so many great memories and so many wonderful moments. Jay, I imagine there's great moments that come to your mind in reflecting on the work that you did at such a transformational time for the practice of our Permanente Medical Groups and and what we call today Permanente Medicine. Do any stories jump to mind that you think helped make this all come together?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think the first for me was As the Federation was coming together at the end of 96 and early 97, the negotiation of the National Partnership Agreement with the health plan. And it codified literally uh, on paper some of the principles that had existed earlier on, uh, mutual exclusivity being uh, the principal one. It also established uh, the Kaiser Permanente Partnership Group, later called the Program Group. Uh, which brought together the leadership of Health Plan and uh, uh, and the Permanente Federation literally every month. And I think that set the stage for the success that we had uh, you know, over my tenure in the next uh, 10 years. There were some funny uh, things as well. I remember working with my then partner, George Halverson, trying to decide <laughs> what we were gonna do about information technology and how we we're gonna get one system for the program. And I had bounced around the country at the time, looking at various systems. And we came down in the end with um, the idea that we would look at two vendors. One was Epic, the one we choose. I'm not gonna mention the other one, but we, uh, George and I set up a bake-off between these two companies. And the first day, this other company came in with 10 individuals who sat across the table all dressed to the nines, very formal, and proceeded to make a presentation about their system and how great it was. And we had a series of 10 questions that had been prepared for us by our IT people. And uh, we, as we asked the questions, the CEO of this company uh, looked down the line and looked for somebody who could answer the question. And um, they got a few of them right, but the rest of the time it was like, well, I don't know, we'll get back to you. The next day, we had the CEO of Epic Systems, Judy Faulkner, who's still there. She showed up all by herself, sat at the table, pulled one piece of legal yellow paper out of her purse, put it down on the table, and she proceeded to give about a two-minute spiel about her system. We then went through the 10 questions that we had asked previously, and without looking at her notes, she answered everyone in detail with no assistance. That did the deal, and we went with Epic. It was an interesting time, um, a lot of stories that I could tell, some of which I wouldn't be wanting to do on this podcast. Um, those are some things that stuck in my mind.
0: Such great, great uh, reflections, and and really, most of the elements that you highlighted remain. And maybe one additional element from that historical time was the formation of the National uh, Labor Management Partnership that also has stood the test of the 25 years to um, optimize how care is delivered through really kind of a unique relationship uh, between labor leaders, labor unions, and um, operational leaders within within the organization. Paul, as you go through the history of the Permanente Medical Groups, so I'm interested to understand kind of what are the what are those Captured artifacts, captured memories that you think are most impactful, and how do you find them and how do you ensure they're preserved for the next generation to learn from?
2: Thanks, Chris. That's a great question. And it's really all about relationships with people and letting them know that you're interested in our history. My favorite KP historical adventure was taking a group of physicians and staff on a trek to Desert Center. Um, where we rediscovered, it was lost. So no one actually knew where the original Contractors General Hospital was. So there's an old drawing of Sidney Garfield and Ray K playing ping pong. And based on the mountains in the background, we were able to find where the Colorado Aqueduct um, basically went through these tailing piles. And we found in the middle of nowhere the old Contractors General Hospital Foundation. We preserved the artifacts on the side same time, we also discovered something alarming. So there's a California historical landmark plaque made of bronze that was in the actual town of Desert Center, and it was stolen. And so we worked with the state and a group of historians um, to get a new plaque, and we put that in a safe location nearby. So believe it or not, we have tanks now, Chris. We have tanks guarding the sign and you're thinking like, how could we have tanks? And it's because it's right next to the George Patton Museum. Um, oh. And that's where we have these tanks guarding um, our sign. Our primitive stores really bring people together to have these conversations. And I wanna like talk to all of our listeners out there on the podcast. If anyone has anything that's really cool or you think would you'd like to preserve our history, please reach out to us um, and let us know. And again, it's all about relationships letting us know that we can preserve um, all of our history for years to come.
0: That's great. And and the history matters immensely in that Kaiser Permanente is different than, than many places. Folks don't dedicate a year or two of their professional life. They come here for careers and it probably starts as a job and then becomes a part of who they are genuinely.
1: You know, uh, Chris, just to, just to add on to what you just said, I used to describe my own transition moving here from the East Coast. And as you said, you know, my wife, Sharon, and I took jobs uh, together, uh, that it was first a job, and then it, transmis- it transformed itself into a career, and then a career transformed itself into a mission.
0: It's so true. And I I, uh, I, I have that same, same feeling. In fact, it's difficult to kind of separate probably who I am and my values um, from, from the work that I do and the values that we represent here at, at Kaiser Permanente. I think for folks that aren't, aren't part of the organization, it might be difficult to understand, but it's such a mission, such a, a, a value-based organization and family, uh, really a family that we're all part of.
2: I think that learning our history is that's so unique um, makes our physicians understand um, the pride of being part of an organization founded by Henry Kaiser and Sidney Garfield. And that pride really contributes to that mission orientation that our physicians have during their careers at Kaiser Permanente. Fantastic.
0: So I have a final question for both of you. And we've spent um, a good part of our time this morning looking back uh, in, in the history trail that we've all been on together. The Permanente Federation is marking its 25th anniversary this year. Hard to believe. As you look at how far we've come and where we want to go, I now want to turn the, the focus of the lens forward. What do you think are some of the key successes for the next 25 years? Jay, why don't we start with you here?
1: So I think the first thing is that just as we put our differences aside 25 years ago, to create the permanent federation. Different size medical groups, different parts of the country, different cultural histories, different management problems. The future of the federation depends upon renewing that sense of unity and keeping it permanent. I think our relationship with the health plan based on mutual exclusivity is vital to the success of the organization, not just the federation itself, but the entire organization. We simply cannot allow ourselves and I'm talking about our multi-decade relationship with the health plan, um, to fragment based on what might appear to be short-term needs uh, and end up with an organization that loses its fundamental nature. And finally, I think the dedication of the organization to high quality and affordability has to remain, can never be changed based upon exigencies of the moment, um, differences in leadership, Differences in priorities. If we if we maintain the dedication to the patient, dedication to high quality, and dedication to affordability of the program, we'll be successful.
0: It's great wisdom, Doctor Bernstein. um, Be interested in in your thoughts for this next generation and what you hope for, what you envision for the Permanente Federation over the next twenty five years.
2: Thanks, Chris. I think no one could say it better than. What Dr. Crossan just said. I feel like I'm here with Sidney Garfield, you know, mm-hmm. talking, you know, with one of our greats um, that really has the uh, perspective of looking in the past. And that's what's key of our podcast today is really looking back at our history to understand what we can learn from. And as Dr. Crossan just mentioned, the key to Kaiser Permanente is our mutual exclusivity. The other key is really looking at how we've always Embraced innovation and change. When you think of our two founders, there were probably no better innovators than both Sidney Garfield and Henry Kaiser. Both Henry Kaiser in industry, Sidney Garfield in medicine. So it's really learning from our past. You know, reassuring us that the next twenty-five years, if we base it on we did right in the past, again mutual exclusivity and working closely with our health plan. Um, and Permanente Federation leaders, that that's really key um, to where we want to be in the next 25 years. So I want to end with, and hopefully you guys are going to join in with me um, when we do this, and everybody on the podcast would, because these are famous words of Sidney Garfield from 80 years ago that were as relevant um, then as they are today. Let's say, keep your arms on each other's shoulders, Keep your eyes on the stars for innovation and change for the future. And those are words that really resonate um, with me that Sidney Garfield said 80 years ago. And really, as we look into the 25 years in the future, if we follow this, it's going to really make us um, a successful organization, not only for the past 25 years, but 25 years into the future.
0: Thanks so much, Dr. Bernstein. And, and that quote is obviously familiar. Very familiar to to all of us, and and it is about sticking together, watching out for each other, having each other's backs and shoulders, and and um, together looking forward to the future and what innovation and what evolution of care delivery can ultimately deliver to patients and and to our members. This has been such a fantastic conversation, and Dr. Crosson, as you said, we could go on for hours and hours. Uh, You both are important stewards for Permanente history. You both have created a lot of the history that makes uh, Kaiser Permanente the successful organization and care delivery system that it is today. And I'm so grateful for your contributions to our history. And I'm so grateful for you sharing your thoughts today.
1: Well, Chris, thank you so much. Hope this will be valuable to current and uh, future Permanente physicians and others who are part of our Kaiser Permanente family.
2: Thanks, Chris, again for having us. And it was again our great honor to have been a podcast with Dr. Cross and I really appreciate it.
1: Thank you, Paul, for all you do. It's fantastic.
0: It is fantastic. And I appreciate both of you immensely. And a big thank you to our listeners once again for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed listening to this season's guests. We've had a variety of leaders across all of healthcare. We'll be back next year with more conversations with engaging folks, historical and future leaders. But for now, be sure to catch up on past episodes of the podcast. You can find us on SoundCloud, on iTunes, or wherever you download your podcasts. We'll see you next time. The opinions expressed on this podcast are those of the speakers, and are not necessarily the views of Kaiser Permanente, the Permanente Medical Groups, or the
2: Permanente Federation.